0: It is thursday night and it is the open micers podcast my name is jason robbins i'm jacob craig and we have one of our very good friends and uh comedians here with us tonight mr jimmy james how are you doing sir
1: i am fantastic it's good to see you guys
0: you too man good i to I'm, see I'm you too, man. missed you at the open mic the other places. night I was uh, i was hoping you'd be there
1: um i had some family yeah. it well,
0: out. That's understandable. But uh I'd be remiss if we didn't kind of uh talk a little bit about what's happening uh for the the future scholars that are going to look back on this and uh you know, an alien species that finds this MP3 lodged somewhere and uh we're in the middle of the uh not only the the COVID-19 pandemic but also middle of the, uh, the, the riots and protests that are going on right now across the country over police brutality.
1: And there's a giant asteroid yes. heading towards the earth.
0: That too, <laughs> which is probably <laughs> going to kill us all, which is, that's great. But, uh, but we, uh, Jimmy and I have, um, here, here, here's the story. I put up a meme that I made on Facebook the other day and, um, uh, a lot of the uh, the oppressed white angry white boys came out of the woodwork and uh, started giving me the business and Jimmy James was there to help uh, help defend me a little bit and uh, <laughs> thank you for that. and um, so is there anything you'd like to say to all the people out there? because I just want to say everybody that's protesting and stuff. I love all you guys. I stand behind you and um, you know just stay safe out there. but uh, do you guys Jimmy, do you have anything you want to say? about everything going on
1: the funny thing is uh back in 2012 i was actually very critical of obama's policy mm-hmm. or policies i was outspoken i was on social media a lot and i was kind of coming at things from different an angle you know i lost some friends i made some enemies and in the end i was you know it's just not worth. Don't yeah. let everybody fight them. Up. And since then, I've just sat back, not been active, not participating, especially in social media and sharing my opinion. Affair. Until now, I've seen Trayvon Martin. I've seen so many people of color being unfairly treated murder and this has become not become it has been epidemic for a while but now it's being shown yeah and i have to speak out because so many people are just staying blind and oh no this isn't a race problem this isn't you know a social problem and the people to the extreme are pretty much saying things are fine how they are be less bitching about it. so i feel like it's a moral imperative that i have to start speaking out now. i have to start saying no things are fucked up and if you don't see that things are fucked up, you've got to open your eyes now me voicing my opinion has maybe lose friends and me having falling out with these I'm in arguments daily just about, I can't let it go. Not this.
0: Well, Well. you know, the thing is, is I had put up a meme about Colin Kaepernick and about how my Facebook feed was inundated with, with people, you know, white people saying, well, why can't black people peacefully protest? Why do they have to riot? And I put up a meme of you know, Colin Kaepernick peacefully protesting. And everybody then came at me saying, well, he did it at the wrong time. <laughs> when is the right time? Like, I don't understand. And they can't give you a good reason. They can't. And I started attacking some of these people um, saying, you know, like, you know, me personally, I'm a pasty white boy from the Gulf Coast of Mississippi. I don't get to tell people when they can and can't protest and they wanted to come at me about that. Like this one guy was like, well, I have a black girlfriend. I'm like, what has that got to do with it? Like I eat Chinese food. That doesn't mean I'm a fucking, you know, (laughs) I'm not qualified for like, (laughs) you know, uh, what's it called? Like foreign diplomacy, (laughs) you know, like what does that have to do with anything? I just don't get it, it, man.
2: And isn't it the point of a protest to do it at a time that's not convenient? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so people will pay attention. And the reason no one can give you a... What was that, Jimmy?
1: A a time that's not convenient, like, when there's not people being abused and murdered in the street, that's the right time to do it?
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's like... No one can give you a reason as to why it was the wrong time because it's the same thing. Like, I was in high school in the Obama administration, and I had to go to school every day and hear all these fucking redneck, racist white dudes talk about how they hate Obama just in the middle of class. Yeah. And I had a teacher one time who asked them, Well, why do you hate Obama? And they didn't have an answer. And he said, Is it because he's black? And he said, No. And they said, well, then why do you hate him? And he couldn't have an answer. And it's because you hate him because he's black. And it's the same thing with the protest. Same exact thing.
0: I don't know. It just seems yeah. racism just seems like it t- takes so much energy to. to exactly. To, like, I just I don't, I don't have that energy to, to waste on hating someone because of their skin color. I just don't, I just don't have that in me. Never have. I mean, even when I was a kid, I went to a school uh, north of Biloxi where they started integrating um, some of the kids from North Gulfport, which is a predominantly black community, into our school. And before, you know, before this time, it was a predominantly white school. And, you know, all these kids started coming into the school and I made friends with a lot of them. And uh, one of my best friends in, in elementary school is a kid named Ray Carter, which was, I thought was cool. Cause that was my grandpa's name. So I'm, I, you know, one of my best friends was this little black kid named Ray Carter in, uh, elementary school. And I remember Are as a kid,
1: one of your best friends is black
0: when I was a little kid. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, have, I have black friends now, but like, but I, it's just weird because my point is like, I'm not trying to throw my parents under the bus or anything. But I remember when I was a kid and I wanted to go spend the night, like have a sleepover with my friend Ray and neither of our parents wanted us to do that, like wouldn't let us do that. My parents or his parents. And we didn't understand why at the time and look back on it now. It's like, wow, it's, you know, neither of our parents wanted us to, you know, have a normal childhood type of thing, like to go have a sleepover and that was such a foreign concept to me. And I didn't realize it till I got older and I'm like, man, I don't, and it's, it's not because my parents were racist or anything. It was just, you know, we live in Mississippi where like racism is just casual. <laughs> like It's just, oh it, yeah. there's, I don't think there's a lot of it. I don't think there's any kind of real hate behind it. I mean, there is, don't get me wrong but I think a lot of it is just, like I said, it's just casual racism. And that's just not in right. In
1: the late 80s, when I was in junior high school, there were literal race riots. Black junior high kids by 10s and 20s fighting the white junior kids by 10s and 20s in the courtyard just rushing at each other. And all the teachers running in and breaking. Yeah. Up. One coach, Coach he was just grabbing people and yanking them up and chucking them on the ground. Get off of them. Get off of them. Get off of them. But it it was an issue back then. It's been pretty well masked and watered down, but it has a way.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember back when I was in high school in the, uh, the mid-90s at, at Deiberville High School, and there were problems between, you know, the rednecks, which there were a lot of rednecks at the school. There were also a lot of black kids at the school. And they played, cl- they started to clash and we had to have police presence at the school. We had to have, you know, police officers every single day in the hallways to, to make sure that people, you know, fights wouldn't break out. And I'm just like, man, like, I, I, I don't even know what to say other than just like, it's just dumb. It's stupid. Like, why are we, it's, the 21st century. Why are we still dealing with this? And I don't understand it. I just don't.
1: It's because of our parents and our grandparents. I now, some so. of us learn to get away from it like I did myself. But a lot of kids, they're just like, Grandpa says it's okay. Dad says it's okay. I'm saying it's okay. Yeah. They don't think for themselves. Now... I know there's nothing funny about racism. Of course we can talk about it a lot. Yeah. But I did have a very funny experience. Uh I got into a huge argument with somebody back when I was in and me and this guy, and he was a senior. He's getting in my face, I'm getting in his face, and I'm embarrassing in his friends, you know, I'm insulting, grading him couldn't figure out what slur to call him. So we, you fucking minority. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the best you could do? (laughs) I've got ambiguously brown, which. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
0: (laughs) and the thing is, is like among us comedians too. like around here, we always like bust each other's balls and, you know, like like we call you our uh, racially ambiguous friend, and you know stuff like that, and it's all in good, you know, because we all love each other, and you know, there's no maliciousness behind anything. But I, I just don't even know if that's even okay anymore because we're more well, or less it's making. It's really
1: not because it's put it puts a pain in my heart and a tear <laughs> in my eye. I'm sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah uh, i don't know hmm. i said this on a podcast uh that i guessed it on the first podcast I ever guessed it on uh you know as because i say a lot of offensive things in my stand-up material and i try to be across the board with it and offensive to everybody but i find that if there's a, a comedian that is racist why is he going to make a racist joke mm does he want to include those people and make them laugh? Because that's why I make some racist jokes. Yeah. Or, because, I mean, if, if you really hate somebody, then you're not going to draw that attention to you and have fingers pointed at you like that.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think there's a fine... My oldest sister... Oh, what's that, Jimmy?
1: I was just saying, my older sister is one will say, the day she... I'm... But her daughter, my niece, at Thanksgiving, she was trying to set something in the kitchen. Well, I just had to nigger. Her daughter, Mom, what are you saying? She's like, what? It's just a term. It doesn't mean anything. He changed that term to gook fixing it. Or how about a spick? You know, let's just take the hateful racial thing that you just said and racial hateful things so bins it out.
0: Yeah you kinda of cut up a little focus. bit during that. Yeah, all we heard was the slurs, Jimmy. Yeah, you cut up a little bit during that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> as long as you got the important parts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but let's move on to to some better subjects. Jimmy um, you've had a pretty interesting career like you've been an actor and and uh, you've also been in the military and things of that nature but what brought you to comedy
1: um the fact that i could never take things seriously yeah like in general throughout my whole life i was supposed to be uber serious about i just couldn't have ways to laugh at and I always wanted to here in ocean Springs first attempt I got at it and shit faced one of the open nights and that's back when Jacob Reynolds was hosting it yeah I got up there I just started telling stories silly shit and people were laughing enjoying it. and I enjoyed the fact that they were laughing things that I, that was come back in next week, and the next week I came back and said some silly and then
0: oh, we are I losing started
1: actually writing out material.
0: Yeah. We're starting to lose you a little bit, man. Um, sorry about that. I don't, I don't mean to, to stop you in the middle. Um, <clears throat> I just didn't know if like you were getting a bad Wi-Fi signal or something. Sorry, everybody that's uh it's listening. I know that's kind of weird to hear somebody every other word. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I apologize too. It says my Wi-Fi is I can speak slow.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's <laughs> weird because it's like it's almost like you have the push to talk thing going on, or like it where it's supposed to pick up. Like I don't know. There's a setting in Discord that's. Uh, under voice and video and it's voice activity. And I think it's clipping you out for some reason. And that's, it's not sounding good. And and it sucks because I've been looking forward to this all damn day. (laughs) Yeah. I have to. Yeah. We'll try to work with it as best we can. And uh, hopefully. Yeah.
2: If, If anyone in the chat knows where that setting is, then feel free to let us know. (laughs)
0: hear the doggy good though (laughs) oh yeah
1: i i tell you what i'm gonna go sit closer to the wi-fi source and see if that helps
0: you actually sound perfect right now if you want to just keep walking in a circle (laughs) 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 but yeah um
1: all right so now i'm in our storage room
0: oh good oh nice oh fun (laughs) Well, let's start that story over again. So let, let's, let's go back to the beginning of, you know, you, how you got into comedy.
1: Well, I always have never taken anything seriously. I, when I moved back to Ocean Springs, I was at the Juke and I found open mic comedy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Back when Jacob Reynolds was hosting. And I got shitty drunk. And decided, hey, I'm going to. That's usually a mistake. Hmm. But in this case, I don't, maybe it's because I was drunk. Maybe it's because I did okay. I just told stories and said silly shit. People laughed. Enjoyed it. I got a rush out of the fact that I was a laugh. And I loved it. Yeah. I said, oh, I'm going to come back next week. But again, so I did. Came back the next week, I got drunk, got up on stage, told like crazy life stories, said some silly shit, people laughed, and I loved it. Took a break for a while, took an opportunity to actually write some material and start setting up a routine. Once I did that, and I started getting people that recognized me outside of there, once the first person recognized me outside of there, like, oh, you're doing the... In my head, I was like, "All right, that's it. Now I'm a. Con- yep. I've got my first fan.
0: So, what is your process like for coming up with uh, with material and um, you know, like like a set? Like, how do you come up with what you're gonna put in your set? Because you have a sense of humor a lot like mine, where I'm I don't really consider myself a joke writer. It's more of just kind of. Humorous stories and and telling things in a funny way.
1: A lot of my stuff is based on true life experience. If I can think of a memory that actually makes me smile or laugh physically, just thinking about it, mm-hmm. I write it down. You know, I should tell that story or I should share that experience.
0: yeah so what about you jacob you're You're more of a joke writer. Um, what is your I've never really asked you this like what what is your process like?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can write about funny stories that have happened to me too. um at the open mic the other night, but uh, about half of my set was about a funny story that happened to me in the grocery store.
0: I love that Where story. I was stay-
2: yeah, it, I mean, I was I was staying with the buggy in front of the adult diapers and then some lady came up behind me and it was like being super rude and I had to duck into another aisle so that she could buy some uh, antifungal vaginal cream right in front of me. <laughs> and um, so there's stuff like there's stuff like that cuz I've been a comedian for so long. Like most of my Can cognitive
1: you get number? Can I have it? <laughs>
2: No, I actually I actually think it was your your girlfriend, Jimmy, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, I, <laughs> uh, I've been a comedian for so long now. Like, I've been writing jokes since I was 14. So most of my entire life has gone to that. So whenever something funny happens, I immediately turn it into a joke. And as far as ideas go, uh, I take, like, the Joe Rogan method of doing it is joe rogan takes an hour out of every day to sit in front of a computer and write jokes whether they're garbage or not he just writes them and as long as you're writing something you can delete it later mm-hmm. it doesn't matter so i i go more into volume and editing and that kind of thing um and i mean as uh, ideas are just ideas you just watch tv go out into the world talk to people i mean you'll get stuff you know
0: yeah that's the thing is once you actually commit to, uh, and I found this too. Like I, had all, I was always a, like a humorous uh, short story writer and things like that. And until I started doing stand up, I it was like my entire mode of thinking like shifted, and it became more of, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It's like I became more aware of silly, stupid things happening around me. I guess or just the way I yeah. was in particular. A lot of my stuff is about how dumb I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean
2: there's a there's a lot of material there, so. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm very disappointed. Um I thought going into the self-quarantine blessing. I thought I'm going to write some new material. I'm going to really buckle down. I just got fat and drunk. <laughs> I didn't do shit. I didn't do shit.
2: Hey, you can do yeah, both. We, we
1: gave a nickname to a little Gatorade bottle of vodka. We call it the sipping bottle or the mm-hmm. sipper. And then it turned into us like waking up in the morning, like 9 a.m. I'm like, oh, hand me the sipper. <laughs> Cracking open a beer and sipping vodka and doing that until 10 p.m. like, okay, well, I'm just going to to go to sleep. And that's
0: it. And, and the thing is, like being in quarantine and stuff, like not – You know, it's hard to write jokes when life is not happening. When all you do is, like me, all I did, I was still working, so I went to work, and I work by myself, so I I don't work with other people. So it's not like I'm interacting with people all day. So most of my interaction comes from, you know, going out to the open mics and, and things like that. And when nothing's happening obviously nothing funny is happening so it, it's it was really hard to try to write stuff so i didn't really i mean i would have funny ideas here and there but nothing really stuck
2: yeah i was very thankful to have like a entire backlog of ideas cuz the, the note i have a note on my phone full of joke ideas that will be there when i'm dead yeah so <laughs> Luckily, I had that, and I was able to write enough to where I probably have about maybe 20 or 25 minutes of untested material. But if I didn't have that, I don't know what the fuck I would have
0: done, honestly. Yeah, everything I talked I about. I have
1: entertained myself. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I've entertained myself by watching a gaggle of emotionally damaged children play in the parking lot. I <laughs> balcony. One night, it was dark, and it was late. I see this kid on one of those razor scooters, and comes right up to an intersection, and just spills over and plays dead in the middle of the intersection. That's a pretty- he doing that. And I look behind him, and there's like four or five other kids crawling on all fours from behind the cars, going meow, meow. <laughs> and I see these two adults walking out to the parking. And they see the kid laying motionless in the road. They're like, oh my god, kid, are you okay? And his cat friends behind him scream, yeah, he's fine. We're just playing. (laughs) And after that, I bought a pair of binoculars because I had to see better what the fuck is. (laughs) I mean, first off, why are like seven and eight-year-olds out at 10 p.m. And why are they playing dead in the middle of the fucking? But it's entertaining to me.
0: That's been happening around here too in my apartment complex. There's been a lot of children around lately, especially like late at night running around in the uh, in the courtyard, and it's just I don't know. The, these kids need something. So to do. I'm not alone. No, you're not. <laughs> you should yeah.
1: start watching them some night. It's it's some pretty bizarre entertaining <laughs> I'm shit. Sure. The
2: Jimmy, but, you're um... already on a list.
0: Stop watching the kids. <laughs> 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 so um, what, one thing we like to do with our guests Is we like to do a top five list And Jimmy suggested that we do Top five uh, What was it again How, What did what'd you call it Puberty survival bands
1: Puberty survival bands Yes
0: So we're um, I'm not quite sure exactly what that meant So I'm just I look back at the bands That kind of got me through that age From like 14 to, to 17 the bands that I listen to the most. So uh, we'll go ahead and we'll start with you, Jimmy. What is your number five?
1: I think my number five would be The Descendants.
0: Nice. So you were into the the punk rock, too, back then.
1: Yeah, yeah, big time. I mean, punk rock was the first music that really spoke to me. I remember the first getting to the misfits yes
0: see i was gonna put that on my list but i figure since i'm known as the misfit shirt guy i I figured i'm gonna (laughs) leave it off the list
2: (laughs) yeah a little too stereotypical yeah how
1: about you jacob who's your number five
2: yeah well this this is a very pro punk rock podcast uh my number five is stone temple oh no i know but i mean that's that's what you listen to that's what i listen to that's what jason listens to oh okay but um yeah my my number 5 is stone temple pilots who are uh, who are more grunge but i love stone temple pilots because they just kind of everyone ridiculed them because they sounded like pearl jam and and audio slave and soundgarden and all these other people but they really just took their song writing and uh, scott wieland's voice and just kind of combined it together into like Making like a super grunge, like I don't know, just just anomaly. As I out, out of the entire grunge genre, I like them even better than Nirvana.
0: Yeah, I think so. uh, that album, the Purple album, the second album they came out with, is is fantastic. That album is so good, and uh, really, yeah. a, a it's more of a southern. I don't know, kind of. It's it sounds like a southern rock almost album. weird yeah
2: i mean they changed so much like i you listen to purple and then you listen to wicked garden Mm -hmm. and then it it just all completely changed and i think wicked garden was probably their peak yeah
1: i enjoyed stone temple pilots i enjoyed nirvana but i was not into pearl jam i was not into a lot of the seattle grunge bands but i was into those two
0: you know i really didn't get into pearl jam until later um after probably two two thousand three or four, because i you know I listened to them, but I wasn't really into them and then I really started to appreciate them you know years later but um but my number five and Jimmy, I think you're in the same boat as me we we're close to the same age, but I think every teenager in probably the eighties late eighties you know early to mid nineties had a cure phase <laughs> and the Cure oh, was uh, I,
1: I never outgrew it.
0: Yeah, but I did, still love the Cure. Me too, but I mean that is the that is the quintessential what you would call the, you know, the puberty survival band is The Cure. Especially when you've got that roller coaster of emotions, you're always depressed and you're just like I'm never going to find love. Nobody loves me. It's like you just listen to The Cure all day long. <laughs> and you
1: Skinny Bob, Fat Bob. I'll always love that big-haired lipstick.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what about you? What's your number four? Operation Ivy. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that, too. <laughs> I was listening to them today. That's such a good... like. I don't know. that. That seems like that was the one... Punk band that kind of kicked off the entire like 90s punk era was Operation Ivy.
1: That music gave me more energy than Five Red Bulls.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I could listen to that and just be ready to bounce off the wall, jump out, tackle a giant, whatever.
0: Yeah. If anybody listening to this, if you've never listened to Operation Ivy, it is available now like on Spotify, iTunes, all that. Go listen to Operation Ivy and it's just it's like it's a moment in time man like I listen to that and it immediately takes me back to a certain place in time when I was a kid and
1: The most punk rock fucking thing about that is they reached the peak of popularity and broke up
0: Yeah <laughs> like, that's
1: it we gave you the best and we're done And that's all you ever heard from
0: Yep and basically the rest so of the band good.
1: all you got was their best
0: Uh, The singer uh, went on to start another band that I listened to, and I I don't remember their name, but he was like a Buddhist monk. Rancid? uh, uh, Well, no, that was the guitar player that went on to, uh, to, to form Rancid. Basically, the guitar player and the rest of the band went on to form Rancid, and the singer went on to, because he was like a Buddhist monk, he started this other really... Kind of mellow rock band that I listened to, and now I can't remember the name of it. It's been so long, but it yeah, wasn't Schlong? It might have been. I don't remember. I have I have to do some research. <laughs> but uh but what about you, Jacob? What's your number four?
2: Yeah, you guys are fucking old. Um, <laughs> so my number four, obviously, I'm into punk rock, but I was a teenager at a different time so I was into the earlier i guess the later pop punk uh genre so my number 4 is panic at the disco oh yeah and not uh not essential not just because of their music their music is really good but because they brought punk and the punk ideals and that sound into the mainstream more than i think anyone else has Yeah, because you you turn on a pop station and you hear Panic at the Disco, but they're a punk band. And I mean, I just I I just love, yeah, and I love Brendan Urie's voice, and um, I think they did a lot for the genre. So that's my number four.
0: Uh, For my number four, I'm gonna have to say Smashing Pumpkins. Um, they were another band from like '93 to '96. Were just like that was one of the bands I just. Listen to nonstop, especially uh, I. Think I got into them during when Gish was out was out because my brother was in college at the time and he let me borrow the Gish CD. I fell in love with them then, and then uh, you know, of course, they dropped Siamese Dream, and that album was just everything to me. I still listen to it to this day, backwards and forwards. It's probably one of my favorite albums of all time, but just something about. I don't know, Billy Corgan, like, his, his songwriting ability, his voice, his lyrics, it just, something, you know, gives me goosebumps about, you know, that album and those songs.
1: It's that nostalgia, man. Yeah. Damn nostalgia.
0: <laughs> so what's your number yeah. three, Jimmy?
1: That My number three? Yeah. Bad Religion.
0: Oh, Yeah.
1: So I think <laughs> Thank per- you, macho man, Randy Savage.
0: <laughs> I think we pretty much just listened to all the same shit, <laughs> is, is what it was. Yeah, Brad. The religion. Brad religion
1: is what opened my mind to the social issues that were happening. I had no idea. Uh, I mean, I was a stranger to this shit. I was a kid. I would start listening to these songs about government corruption. Social discourse and all this stuff start looking around and seeing it all around me. I'm like, wow, they're. And the more I listened to it, the more I was aware of it, uh, the more that I was aware of things that I was never aware of before. Yeah. And they're still doing shit today. They made a song about Trump called The Kids Are Alt Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the singer, I, I can't remember his name, but he got like a doctorate in like, like zoology or something uh, like philosophy, that. I believe. Philosophy, yeah, really smart. Brian dude. Geffen. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think so. I know it's Brian something. But uh, what about you, Jacob? What's your number three? My number three is Weezer. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs>
2: Hell yeah, wow, man. Yes, Blue Album. Uh, Even their newer stuff is pretty good, but it's just when they released Blue Album, uh, I had discovered that as a a lonely teenage boy who couldn't get laid. (laughs) It just made everything better, man. Well,
0: if you love the Blue Album, you'll love Pinkerton because that was the one album that was panned when it came out, man. But then, like, it became. Slowly became everybody's favorite Weaver's, Weezer album, and it's weird. Is that how the that one
1: happened. with Pink Triangle? Uh,
0: I think so. Yeah, it's got that and um, uh, El Scorcho. Was their one uh, single yeah. off of it? Yeah, yeah. Such a good album, and I
1: love their video with Weird Al.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Weezer's a great band, man, and they, and they haven't changed either. They still look oh, yeah. exactly like they did, you know, twenty five years ago. It's weird.
2: They sound exactly the same too yeah. I mean they just they they yes. keep putting out that nineties nostalgia man
0: yep people eat it up man and you th- know,
1: their' subject matter and their style changes slightly, but they're still they still stay exactly the same,
0: yeah uh what are we at number three uh my number three yeah. is gonna be and this is a band um it, I discovered this band like it felt this felt like a nineties band but and I thought they were new at the time when I discovered them around, like, 93, I think, and started listening to them. But I, they had already been, you know, broken up for, like, five years at that point. And it was the Pixies. Dude, the- ah, oh, yeah. you
1: just stole my next face. Really?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird because they have, like... They were so far ahead of their time as far as just their sound and, the you know, their songwriting it was so 90s but then you realize like this was like 1987 you know they were writing this shit so and i they, got into them they
1: innovated the whole like loud quiet loud yes formula for music
0: and nirvana ripped it off i mean if it wasn't for the pixies there would be no nirvana you know there would be no nineties 90s...
1: paid homage to it
0: yeah there would be no nineties sound without the Pixies I think the Pixies laid the groundwork for it and that that's all I gotta say about it the pixies are great they're they were so groundbreaking um but what about you Jimmy what's your number two
1: I don't care if you stole it the pixies
0: <laughs> the Pixies
1: are my number two favorite like Puberty survival band. Yeah. I danced around to Doolittle all day long. Mm-hmm. And me and my friends would say, You buy me a soda, you buy me a soda, you bless me in the parking. Yep, yep, yep.
0: And has there been Pensies another huge influential? Has there been another song other than Where Is My Mind that has been used so much in movies, TV shows, trailers? I mean, that that song has been remade so many times. I bet they just live off the residuals of that song.
1: I have heard Here Comes Your Man a couple of times in a couple of movies.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's another popular one.
0: They're just I don't know, man. They're just one of those bands that just keeps people keep discovering them like every, you know, ten years or so and they're and they were just They still just sound as relevant now as they did then. They have like just a timeless sound about them.
1: And I saw their reunion tour and they still had Kim Deal playing with them. And that was the last time that she did. Yeah. I'm glad I was able to be there and see the original members do one more show.
0: Yeah. I wish I could have seen that. Man. (laughs) But what about you, Jacob? What's your number two?
2: My number two is Green Day.
0: I knew you were going to say that. I love Green Day. <laughs>
2: yes. Dookie, Nimrod, especially American Idiot, because I remember when American Idiot came out and I was five years old when it came out. But I knew Green Day because my mom would play Green Day in the car with me because she's a great parent. Hell yeah. And I, re- I remember being I fucking play it for my kid. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember being fucking stoked about a new Green Day album when as a five-year-old kid. And I'll still <laughs> listen to that album. I'll even listen through the entire Jesus of Suburbia track, which is like 10 minutes long. And I still <laughs> think... One of my it's, favorites. Yeah, I think as far as a story goes in music, it's, it's the best. It's the best linear story in a single song that you can find. Yeah.
1: Did you ever listen to the 10,001 Slap Happy Hours album? Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, no, I didn't. Dude, go back and listen to that.
1: That was their first underground album. Try to check it out if you can. You're going to love that shit.
0: Yeah, it's on Spotify and iTunes now, so you can find it. That one, uh, that was their first one, and then Kerplunk was their second. Kerplunk Uh, is really good, too. (laughs) I forgot about
2: Kerplunk.
0: Kerplunk is a great, great... I I think I listen to Kerplunk more than any other Green Day album. Probably because that was when I first found out about them was during the k- kerplunk era yeah these
1: days they're not even the same band those last couple albums it it sounds like a hair care product commercial it does
2: not <laughs> sound like right but the thing is AC/DC's new album sucks too so i mean looking at green day they're they're They've definitely earned their places as being pioneers the same way ACDC did.
0: Ooh, the real big wall. Yeah, but AC/DC's
1: as old as Willie Nelson, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. The real big wall has joined us in the chat room. What's up, Wally? Uh, and he said he saw Green Day play All of American Idiot before it released at Voodoo Fest. I remember you going to that Voodoo Fest. He went by himself to Voodoo Fest uh, to go see <laughs> Green Day. <laughs>
2: Respect, my man. Love yeah. you, Wally. Um, I
1: remember how excited I was back in 94 to see them play Lollapalooza.
0: In New Orleans. I remember it's that. I
1: like, oh, I'm seeing Green Day play live. Yay. I wanted
0: to go so bad, but I didn't have anybody that wanted to go with me. So I didn't get to go to that. I, if there was one concert I could go back and go to, it would be the 1994 Lollapalooza in New Orleans.
1: Poor awkward child.
0: I
2: know. <laughs> what do you uh what do you guys think about the Hella Megator? Are you guys gonna try to go see that? The
0: Hella Megator? I haven't heard of it. Yeah, this. dude.
2: Green Day, Weezer, Fallout Boy. The Hella Megator. Wow. They haven't yeah, they, they were supposed to do it before the pandemic and um then all their dates went away and now they're they're booking it again. They're gonna book more dates for it. Oh, that's cool.
0: If it comes anywhere near here, I'll go. <laughs> Yeah, dude,
2: if it comes to New Orleans, we should totally go.
0: Hell yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, for my number two, and this is throwing way back, uh, I was a huge Doors fan when I was uh, a yeah. younger kid. I fell in, my dad like loved the Doors, and it was one of those bands that, you know, like them, Rolling Stones, the Beatles, was always on rotation on the record player in my house when I was a kid. And once you hit a certain age as a teenager, it's like Jim Morrison becomes your savior. (laughs) And and like I just I wanted to be Jim Morrison for like a year straight from like age 14 to 15. I started growing my hair out. I started writing weird poetry and I just I just wanted to be Jim Morrison. That's all I did was just wanted to be Jim Morrison. How much acid did you have to drop? I've never done acid, but I, I'm willing to try. <laughs>
1: where did you where were you raised?
0: In 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 Wool market. <laughs>
1: you were raised in Woolmarket and you never tried acid? What dude, kind of childhood did you have? Oh dude, my god, I'm so sorry.
0: Lame friends, man. What can I say? <laughs> Uh, what about you? What's your number one, Jimmy? Your number one puberty survival band.
1: Modest Mouse.
0: Oh yeah. I okay. Love this Modest Mouse.
1: It started with uh their album The Lonesome Crowded West. And it was so weird. And it was it was that band and a band called Built to Spill.
0: Oh yeah. I I listened and to those them. These two
1: too. bands were they were weird. <laughs> music was kind of off-kilter and slightly off I loved it because I knew it was on purpose and there was kind of a message with the song with that off-kilter off and it drew me and I got more and more into it every album they came out with I thought got better and better yeah I sunk into just those bands but more modest mouse and built a spill but not
0: by much. I love both of them. Yeah. Uh, did you have any runners up that, y- that you were going to put on the list but got edged out slightly?
1: Uh, a few. Because
0: one of, mine, uh, one of my ru- runners up was going to be No Effects. Because I, yes! I, I yes! loved No Effects when I was a teenager. Holy crap. I still crap. listen
1: to them to this day.
0: White Trash, Two Heebs, and a Bean is still one of my favorite albums <laughs> of all time. <laughs> yeah. When, uh, we'll linoleum still makes
2: me want to break shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, uh, Jimmy, Did you I'm,
1: guys see the, their video for... Uh, they made a video for Funny or Die.
2: No. Uh, I've heard about this. I haven't seen
0: it.
1: Oh, it's an awesome video. It's shit. I'm having a brain...
0: I'm going to have to look this
1: up. Uh, Jamie, can you pull that up?
0: (laughs) Yeah. We don't have a Jamie. (laughs) I'm going to get a Jamie. (laughs) Um, We need an
2: audible sponsorship so we can get a Jamie.
0: (laughs) So what about you, Jacob? What's your your number one? Or did you want to do any runners-up before you, you got to the number one spot?
2: Uh one runner up that I completely spaced on as we were doing this is the Offspring. Yeah. I love the Offspring so much. Uh they're yeah. definitely Yes, they're amazing. Uh pretty fly for a white guy was <laughs> written about me. That's actually a true story. And um But uh, uh that wasn't a true story, guys. You're supposed to laugh, fuck <laughs> you guys. I was never
0: but, really that big into the Offspring. Really? Really? Yeah, I just never got into them all that much.
2: That surprises me a lot. Um, I really love their music, but my number one is (laughs) Blink-182. I know their entire discography. I can sing every word. (laughs) I I know their entire history, their lineage. In school one time, I gave a report, an oral (laughs) report, on the history of Blink-182. That's awesome. That's a true story. I would like
1: to have seen what happened with them if they kept their original. Yeah.
2: If their original drummer, if they kept their original drummer, they probably would have hit the. They would have gone nowhere. They would have just gone down the toilet. I mean, he was he was a drunk and a mediocre drummer. It was definitely Travis Barker joining the band that elevated them with Enema of the State. That's their hit album, the first one that had Travis Barker on it and the first one that really captures their sound because even damn it which was their first hit you hear that and it's like cool garage band and then you hear anthem what's my name again or what's my age again sorry um all the small things and you're like yeah that's that's the blink 182 a2 i know yeah and um yeah. i i could talk about them for hours and hours and hours
0: <clears throat> yeah um You know, like I already said, one of my runners up was No Effects. The other runners up were like the Misfits, uh, Danzig, uh, bands like that. But, and I was a huge, I've always been a huge Van Halen fan too, but I don't really feel like they're a a puberty (laughs) survival band. They're more just like a party band. But um, my number one uh, biggest, not only influence as far as like, you know, puberty survival, but this person. I don't think there's been another person that has shaped me as a human, as a comedian, as a musician, as a writer, as Henry Rollins and the Rollins band. And Uh, don't get me wrong, I love Black Flag, but I discovered Rollins uh, when The End of Silence had come out. And I heard that first note of you know, low self-opinion, and immediately fell in love with that band, fell in love with him as a person, as, you know, as a writer, and then went down the rabbit hole. Like, over the years, he started... I started getting VHS tapes of, like, his his uh, spoken word, his comedy, you know, like, starting to read his writings and all that stuff. And just, like, the dude's just... I don't know. He's like one of the most prolific humans alive right now because he I mean, he's not afraid of anything like he goes everywhere in the world where you know, like it, it, whether it's a war zone or not, just to like get lost in a city and meet people and talk to people and then write about it and, you know, do tours of talking tours around the world and just if you've never experienced anything of Henry Rollins, you're just, you're completely missing out. Like, I don't know, just the way I think about the world, as far as like his take on, like he, I'm interested to hear what he has to say about everything going on in the world right now. As far as like, I know what he, he thinks about like racism and homophobia and all that kind of stuff. And just how I think about the world was shaped by Henry Rollins. And I, I don't know if you guys really know much of his stuff, but that's he's my number one pick.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I know uh, a little bit about Henry Rollins and Black Flag. I think he would definitely agree with me about the sentiment of punching your local racist. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's something Henry Rollins can definitely get behind. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily like his stand-up, but if you look at it as not stand-up, then I think it's great. That's I think the- it's awesome. I love hearing his stories. Yeah.
0: Well like I said it's not really stand up I
1: loved him I loved him in Sons of Anarchy he played the white supremacist gang Yeah
0: yeah 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 It yeah. was
1: an awesome role
0: That's the thing is like he looks like a white supremacist but he's the exact opposite you know and I don't know it's just I love that man and I you know I wish I had the bravery that he has to just like put a map of the world up, throw a dart, and just go there. You know, pack a, like, no luggage, just a backpack and, uh, you know, a cell phone and a notepad. And that's what he does. He's an adventurer. And that's, oh, that's where my heart is.
2: Yeah. That's, uh, I, I wish I had the money to do that. Yeah, no
0: shit. <laughs> I, had, I had a
1: friend in L.A. that did that. He's actually had a couple of published books, traveling books. Mm-hmm. He's traveled, he's this Israeli dude named Baruch. He's traveled around the world and just pretty much did it like that. Whatever was on his back, whatever money he had, and went and made it and just wrote about his adventure. Now, he's also a big misogynist and a sexist.
0: Oh, that sucks. And (laughs) I
1: introduced him to a friend and his wife. I'm like, hey, this is my friend Baruch. You know, they found out he was an author. They're like, Oh, hey, what are you writing about? What's your subject matter? Well, I'm pretty much uh, writing about traveling around the world, going to all these meeting girls and fucking them. Pretty much fucking girls in every country I go to.
0: Jesus. <laughs> <It's non-fiction>. <laughs> <laughs> Look,
2: wow. H- how do misogynists get so much pussy? <laughs> That's the opposite of what's supposed to happen. Um, (laughs) Rampage
0: Rampage in the chat room says that he's only ever been to a Garth Brooks concert, uh, not counting going to a rodeo or strawberry festival, and sometimes a band would be there for a few songs. Like, dude, you need to hit some concerts, man. Dude, I've been to – I can't even, like – Oh, I can't – I don't even know how many concerts and – not just concert, but just shows. Who are they
1: referring to, me or Jacob? Jacob's been to a couple strawberry festivals.
0: <laughs> no, it's a ramp. Oh, I'm sure Jacob has. <laughs> but he needs to... Yeah, buddy. Rampage, you got to get on that, man. Go go to some concerts, buddy. Concerts are fun. Especially festivals. But, all go right. meet
1: a stranger. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) Treated for an STD.
0: Write a book about it. Oh, man. But we're coming up to the end of the episode. Jimmy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show tonight. I've been looking so forward to this.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been so great. I hope to be able to do it again soon.
0: And I just wanna I wanna thank you for uh, having my back on Facebook too from the uh the the angry white boys <laughs> that are taking man, me to task.
1: Fuck your back. I got your front.
0: <laughs> well thank you, man. And uh Jacob, uh well actually, uh Jimmy, do you wanna tell people where they can find you on the interwebs?
1: Well, if you look at Facebook, uh Jimmy James and you'll see we have some friends in common. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I I do apologize. I don't Twitter. I don't TikTok. I don't do all the other shit. <laughs> and well, I, with Facebook, I'm just recently getting back into that shit. But if you really want to see me, come out to an open mic comedy night over yes. at the Juke Joint. Or Jacob, are you going to be doing it back at the Love Shack again?
2: You know, I messaged them right before this podcast. They saw the message, and I haven't heard back, Ooh. so... That's not it's true. up in the air right now. <laughs>
0: I'm sure they'd want us now, back. We, I mean, it was always packed every time we did it. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: they saw the numbers that they were making. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense to not do it. Yeah.
0: So what about you, Jacob? Well, uh, if anybody
1: is looking for a place to start another night in Biloxi, I know the Mermaid Lounge is very interesting.
0: That would actually be a pretty good place to do it now that the Kraken's not there. Um, cause me and Jacob actually did comedy. I, our first night ever doing comedy together. We didn't even know each other at the time. We did our first open mic sets when it was Zeppelin's back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Was it oh, 16 yeah. or when 17? There. It was 17. Yeah. 2017. And, uh, I didn't even know that was you until years later. <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah, it's
2: crazy how life has a way like that.
0: What about you, Jacob? Where can everybody find you on the internet?
2: Uh, You can follow me, Jacob Craig Comedy, on Facebook and Jacob Craig Comedy on YouTube. I'm going to start getting into making some funny YouTube videos again. And uh, I just wanted to say before we get out of here that this is a bohemianly Black Lives Matter podcast. Yes. We are very strongly behind that point and we will not drift from it at all. And if you're a black artist that wants to come on here and use our platform for you, yes, then please reach out to us and, and we'll get you on the podcast.
0: Absolutely. We love
1: and support the movement for Black Lives Matter. Please come. Let us show you love.
0: Yes. And um, as far as uh, this podcast, we, we will be launching a Patreon soon uh, so you guys can support the show. And uh, coming up next week, uh let's give him a little taste Jacob of who's coming up next week. I'll, I'll just say he's not even supposed to be here t- today. <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> yes, sir. We'll hey. be making that announcement soon on yes. Facebook. We're going to play a little game so that if you win our little game, you'll get to hear your name on our on the next episode of the podcast. So Look out on the Open
0: Micers Facebook page for that. Yeah, so go to. Was um, this
1: person an actor or a writer director?
0: He is an actor and he is also a stand up comedian.
1: I'm not gonna say any names, but I'm very excited about this little teaser. just Yes. Extremely excited.
0: <clears throat> but we do have our Twitter up at Open Micers on Twitter. You can follow us over there. You can also go to Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Go follow us. Tell your friends, and uh, if you know anybody that uh, you know would um, like, we said any any black creators out there that are doing stuff on the internet, we'd love to get them on the show and and promote their stuff. So send them our way. Send them over to the open micers. We're we're open to everyone and anyone, men women. Uh, children if they're funny <laughs> Can come on the show That's, that's yes. me <laughs> And uh, we'll, we're going to go ahead And get out of here Watch Let's... him
1: around Jacob
0: <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead And play our music And um, say thank you for joining us Tonight on Twitter And uh, thank you Jimmy James For joining us uh, Jacob I love you brother And I will love you see too, you uh, We'll see you guys next week Yeah. bye Bye bye